0: This morning, we are going to dive in and have another conversation called Community Around the Table. So if you were not here last week, which I know there's probably several of you, um, the point of our conversation really is to grow in what it looks like to, to have healthy community and relationship around the table right? This is really important. Um, Ephesians talks about growing. Ephesians 4, growing into maturity. It talks about every joint supplying, coming together in relationship. The body grows as we go together. Amen. Amen. It's really important. Like as a house, I've said this many times on, on Vision Sunday, I said this. I said, we're, this is not the, the Andrew and Emily show or the worship team just going somewhere. or like We are going together, and we need each other. We need each other. I need the gifts that you carry. We need the, the things that the Lord has deposited inside of you. Like We need that as a house. And so together this morning, our goal is to learn and just have a practical conversation about how do we... How do we do community and life and relationship around the table? Um, And so that's the longest intro I can give this morning because we don't have a whole lot of time. Um, But I want to just provide a quick disclaimer. Um, We received a lot of questions. And especially this morning, we may not get to all of the questions. Um, And so I just want to make sure that we say that. Um, I also just want to take a moment and just make sure that I introduce our panel. Um, So, obviously, my name is Andrew Fish, and this is my beautiful and amazing wife, Emily. Uh, And we are the senior pastors here at Convergence. We're really honored uh, to be here, and just really honored just uh, with the amazing body and family that we have here. Um, It's just, it's a super honor to lead. Um, And then we're joined by the amazing Craig and Nikki Kamali. Come on. Yeah, so they're amazing. Um, Craig uh, leads our men's ministry here at Convergence. Uh, It's really amazing. If you haven't been, if you're a male in this room and you have not been, go to the next one. Tomorrow night. night. There's the plug right there. And then, of course, Nikki. You just heard from Nikki. Uh, She's amazing. She's our director of Prophetic Reformers Ministry here at Convergence. Um, Also uh, volunteers and helps lead our youth along with Wesley. Uh, it's amazing, she does so much here, carries so much, um, and so again, if you're not signed up for Saturday, sign up for Saturday, it's going to be amazing, you'll hear a lot more from her. Um, all right.
1: All right, I get to draw the questions this week, so, all right, here we go. All right, Craig and Nikki, you are up first. Um, how do we, how to communicate love when boundaries are violated and communication shuts down? Wow. Yes. Let's go for the big one right from the top. That was on. Yes, I will. And I want to say too, um, that these questions, they're, they were really good, but they're also really hard to answer without context. So we did our very, very best, um, so I will, I'm going to repeat the question. How to communicate love when boundaries are violated and communication shuts down?
2: That's a great question. <laughs> I've got notes here in case you didn't know. <laughs> um, when I walked into the service this morning, Wesley was giving a great exhortation like he always does. And he's reading from the Psalms and he was talking about, the Earth and how it was formless, and how the, the Lord brought boundaries to it, you know. And I was just in awe, just of the wonders of God and His creation, and, and about how He laid out boundaries in, in creation within all the kingdoms that He made—animal, insect, etc., plants—and how beautiful it is. And can we give God glory just for His Majesty in creation? You know. Yes, Jesus. Well, you know, the same thing is true for relationships, even more so, even though it it looks a lot different than than physical creation, uh, <clears throat> but it's intricate and it's beautiful. And Lord had a, an amazing plan in relationship in His create His the apex of creation, mankind, you know, and He set out an order and boundaries the, the same way He did in in just nature, you know, with with. <clears throat> With land and sea and and all that's within it, and uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing, and we can praise him for that too, because it's so amazing, whenever it's functioning in order the way he laid it out. And it's interesting that he did it with a purpose. You know, it's the purpose is in a similar way uh, that it is in in uh, in in nature, but he his purpose with mankind in the boundaries he laid out was to show forth his, his nature, love, you know, and, and how amazing it is to be in an environment that is, is honoring those boundaries that he set out, you know, it's beautiful, but sometimes it doesn't go that way, if this question is getting to that, and I'm going around the mountain, but I'm fixing to hit it, here we go, <laughs> so yeah, in, in, these, in his order of things, there are values, and His values should reign and they should guide our relationships for the glory of God and the benefit of everyone involved, you know? Sometimes uh, behaviors of people that we love even aren't going to honor those values of love and respect, and they must be addressed for the safety of everybody involved and the health of everybody involved. When a boundary is later moved, we should, we're showing love actually, even though it may not feel like it to the other person and maybe you've been on the other side of that and and you've had to deal with a boundary that's uh, uncomfortable but in reality love is the motivating factor behind that boundary or the movement of a boundary Um, in the midst of of that boundary we're actually we are loving people and we can further communicate that love by designating a way back to full relationship Whenever we have to put down a boundary, we're always open to restoring relationship to full capacity, to God's glory, and also letting them know that's our heart's desire, if we do have to lay down a boundary. When we honor boundaries in relationships with others, there's also a ripple effect, and we're going to get into more of that in just a second.
3: This is the only one where we're taking, the rest are like, so fast, so fast. (laughs) Um, because this is the harder one, talking about boundary and boundary violations. So I'm going to share just a snippet of how we handled when my dad crossed my boundaries as, after we got uh, married as the illustration of this. So many of you know my story. Uh, my father, um, he's passed away, but he was an alcoholic, and I suffered a lot of abuse through growing up there with my dad. And so I remember we were engaged Craig knew um, that my dad was, you know, his problems, and he knew my story, et cetera. and we were engaged. We were um, going to be married in August. This was July, and so even though I had told Craig about experience that I had with abuse, when Craig didn't grow up in an abusive situation, it's hard to imagine what does that look like, right? And I remember his first time, he, he actually saw it, it happening. He was at the house where I was living, Uh, He had stopped by for something um, and my dad called and he was he was probably drunk, but he's like literally screaming, yelling, cussing me out, telling me like how horrible I am on the phone. And it's so loud, right, that Craig can hear it. And and I, having grown up with this, there had been that pattern of that violation of boundary that I felt was normal, that was my normal experience with my dad. And I'm just listening to it on the phone because I was. Terrified to hang up because I, you know, I've had previous bad experiences, and Craig was like, mouthing, "Hang up the phone, hey, like, don't, like." He was just, he was mortified and distressed that I was going through a serious. That's a serious violation of 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 a boundary. That's not love, right? Um, and I hung up the phone, and he was really disturbed. And the reason why he was disturbed, he was like. Is this going to be the norm in our marriage? Because Nikki clearly doesn't understand proper boundaries of what it means to live in peace. So he asked me the simple question. When we get married, do you understand that our marriage, our home, remember God, like he said, defined love and boundaries. It's going to be a place of peace, safety, and love. And there is no place for that in in that space. And I remember thinking, well, that's not possible because that's all I've experienced. So I just want to say boundaries really aren't about a wall, about me telling someone else what they're going to do. Boundaries are about me making powerful choices about how I'm going to live my life. And he wanted to know how are we going to live our lives as a married couple because he can't control my dad, but as a married couple, we can make powerful choices for the home we want to build. And so I said to him, yeah, that sounds great. Now, inwardly, I thought that's not going to happen. You know, I, I never lived with a man that understood the power of love and the security of peaceful boundaries. So sure enough, we get married, we get back from our honeymoon. And like, literally the day, the day we got back from our honeymoon, my dad calls because he wanted to rant and rave at me. And I answer the phone and he is just starting into me. I can't remember what it was about. And I I was like paralyzed because I had not become um, mature in my ability to navigate those situations. I just hadn't had a lot of experience. And so Craig said, you know, if he does that again, if you're not able to say, Dad, I can't do this right now, would you just hand me the phone, Nikki? And I said, okay, we'll try that. And so he can hear him, and he just smiled at me in that moment, like, wow, what a crash course for my amazing husband. And he just reached out his hand and he was like, do you want me to do it? And trembling, I handed the phone to Craig and he very lovingly said, hey, Scott, um, you're talking to my wife now. Yeah. (laughs) And, And I love you and I want the best for you. But I want you to know that that's not how we talk to each other in our home. If you want to talk to Nikki feel free to call back when you're calm and respectful. But until then, I'm just going to give you space to calm down, but that's not going to happen anymore. And he started ranting and raving at Craig, and he just said, oh, I'm so sorry. I just don't have conversations like this. I'm going to hang up now. Feel free to call back when when you've calmed down. And he hung up the phone. It took a long time. It took years for my dad to to calm down, and we didn't actually, were able to have relationship with him because he kept violating those boundaries. That's an extreme example of abuse. Um, But many of you here, many people are experiencing that. And it is love. My dad had an opportunity to get help. He had an opportunity to pursue um, another path. But no matter what, what my children have experienced is a house of love and peace. Because we didn't build walls We built kingdom in our home. And years and years later, my dad would occasionally pop in on his best behavior, and he would abide by those boundaries. He never fully got help. But I am just so thankful for Craig leading the way in that. If some of you, there's always unique situations. So before Emily's going to ask the next question, if you need more help in knowing how to navigate your situation, we can't address all of that today. We wish we could. Please email admin at convergencechurch.com, and we're going to give you direction as to where to get help or just more information about this, okay? Um, Because we know this is a serious issue for certain people in here, not for everyone, but we just pray peace and blessing on each of your homes. So good. That's why
1: ministry. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right, second question. Andrew, what's the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation? I told you, these questions are intense, but really good.
0: It's a great question. I have a long answer, but I don't have enough time to share it. So I'm going to do kind of the quick version. Um, This could be a whole series of messages, all all of these questions. Um, So it's important, again, to note that there's a lot of, like, I don't know all of the situations. I don't know everything that's going on, so I'm going to paint a broad brush over this, all right? Uh, forgiveness, um, the way I see this a lot of times is that forgiveness is a decision, and a lot of times reconciliation is an outcome. So I have, what do I personally have control over? Forgiveness, right? Right? Forgiveness is something I can choose to do. I can choose to forgive or I can choose not to forgive. Okay? Reconciliation, I may want it. The other person may not. It's—it's it's not always. It doesn't always work that way. Okay? Um, and, we're, and we're talking about reconciliation within relationship, within, with people. Um, and so that's important. And so um, I, I think also it's important to know that in some cases... Um, even just the conversation that Nikki just had and everything. Like, in some cases, reconciliation may not be possible. It may not be healthy even. Um, there's an, there, there could be an unhealthy situation. There could be uh, abuse involved. There could be all sorts of these, these things involved where reconciliation actually probably isn't healthy in that moment, right? And so forgiveness, though, is healthy, and forgiveness is always something we need to go after. It's really, really important that we not live in unforgiveness. Okay, Job 42. Job didn't see a double portion until he forgave his friends. So forgiveness is really, really important. Unforgiveness will, if, 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 if there's unforgiveness in your heart that's left unchecked, it will produce bitterness. It happens all the time. The byproduct of holding on to unforgiveness is that you begin to get bitter, not just towards the person, but actually it begins to spread into other areas, other relationships, other things. Um, It's really, really important that we choose to forgive, okay? Even when it's hard. I'm not suggesting that forgiveness is at all easy. I'm not suggesting that at all, but it's really, really important. And so anyway... That's, that's kind of the quick answer. So again, um, I'm just going to kind of lay this down. What am I saying? I'm saying in the context of relationship and community with other people, forgiveness is necessary. Yeah. Reconciliation is not necessarily necessary. Now, before I get phone calls, emails about this, God's heart is reconciliation. Okay? Jesus, in Matthew 5, in, in, Matthew 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says before you give an offering, go be reconciled to your brother. Jesus cares about reconciliation. He desires that we are reconciled to each other. But there's also situations where there needs to be boundaries and there's different things that are happening where maybe restored relationship and friendship in the way that it was isn't necessarily possible right now, okay? And so unforgiveness, uh, I already said this. So forgiveness is huge. Ultimately, the goal needs to always be forgiveness and reconciliation because this is healthy for relationships. However, there are plenty of cases where you need to forgive but where it actually could be dangerous for reconciliation to happen, and it may not happen. Reconciliation is between two parties. It's two people, right? Relationship is a two-way street. So reconciliation is two parties coming together, working things out, In the context of relationships so that restoration can happen so that there's trust that can be restored so that all of these things can happen and guess what step one to reconciliation is forgiveness it's step one you can't have reconciliation without forgiveness I have to I have to forgive if I did something I have to ask for forgiveness we have to come together on that for there to be even a step towards reconciliation Forgiveness is important. So just really quickly, um, what are some steps towards reconciliation? That would be a step. Um, Also, reconciliation, depending on the situation, typically doesn't happen without change sometimes, right? (laughs) Uh, That's like, we have to, there has to be a turning. There has to be a change. Something has to shift for there to be reconciliation. Uh, Trust needs to be restored, and it involves a true state of repentance, which also means reconciliation involves the Holy Spirit, which I love. It's not just about you and me. Like, the Holy Spirit is working. He desires that, and that's really important. All right. That was a really broad stroke, but that's, that's the best I got in five minutes. That's so good.
1: That was really good. All right. Craig and Nikki. How to talk to someone who is angry.
2: I like this one microphone between each other. Yeah. It's probably a good couples therapy thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not going to talk over No, No. So. <laughs> so am I on the right question here? Yeah. How to talk to someone who is angry. Ah, uh, thank you. First of all, I mean, we stay true to our values. We don't get sucked into a fight. You know, recognizing the spirit behind anger is obviously not a good spirit. And its goal is separation. Its, its goal is not harmony. Its, its goal is not uh, growth in relationship. So we let our boundaries that we've established beforehand guide our participation in the discussion in the first place or our lack of participation. Um, Anger is reactive. It's usually motivated by fear and insecurity. So we want to model and move in the opposite spirit. Um, If you look up in the Proverbs, just Google a search for anger in the Proverbs, you'll find all kinds of interesting uh, guidance there. But it's all a, a component that is always coming up against anger is calm, is patience, is peace. Because it is a spiritual issue that's going on that's causing this this angry outburst, however angry it is, and the the medicine for it, the solution is uh, the other the other spirit, peace and calm. So we got to recognize that those uh, responses, although they're not as flamboyant and loud and noisy and attention-getting, they're more powerful. Yes, you know. <clears throat> And they're going to have an effect on the atmosphere immediately and in the future. Um, so stand strong in that belief and that knowledge and, be, and understand that they're going to leave a mark. And you may not see the results immediately, but it's, it's going to take effect.
3: Yeah, and then the, the principle, like when we talk about communion and broken body, that, that he died to give us that peace and that patience. When my dad was angry, again, I'm going to keep using that as a very graphic point of reference, he wanted something from me. He wanted to vent all of his anger on me to feel something himself. He wanted, whether it was control or, you know, because he had deep, unmet needs in his heart. And one of the biggest things I learned in in this is when I surrendered to Jesus and His kingdom and peace in our home and our marriage, I actually was trusting Jesus to be the source for my dad, not myself anymore. That's good. That's good. So I took myself out of the savior position, yeah. and I trusted Jesus. I forgave my dad, and then I had to do the hard work of surrender of you. Isn't it amazing, y'all? He bore the punishment of our anger in His body. He bore the wrath. It wasn't meant for, for me as my, dad's, as my dad's daughter. And I'm just so thankful. And I would just say, okay, this needs to go on to Jesus, not on to me. That's another reason why we say we're not participating in this conversation because it's too much for me to bear. Only Jesus can bear this. And only Jesus actually can meet the source of what's making you angry. Oh, that's all, sorry. all right, my turn. Um,
1: what happens if I feel I've heard from God, but those around me disagree or aren't giving input? So the first thing I would say is what you're hearing doesn't line up with the Word of God. Because if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, you didn't really hear. So um, God's not going to contradict His Word. So I think also that um, the Lord reveals Himself and confirms his word in many ways. So whether that be dreams, other people, prophetic, um, if you're wrestling with something, ask the Lord, like, please confirm it to me in, you know, in different ways, other, you know, first and foremost, your word, but in other ways as well, and write that down. Um, And I think the second part of that is making sure that you have the right community around you, that Tr- that you trust and that you know that they hear from the Lord. Um, they walk rightly with the Lord. Um, and then ask, ask the Lord to show them. Um, and be humble enough to admit if, you know, what you heard was wrong or if what you heard isn't for this season. Because sometimes we can hear from the Lord and it it goes with Scripture, but it's not the right season. Yeah. And that could be what c- your community Um, is telling you, um, and is giving you the advice for, is that is correct, but it's not the right season. Um, And so, yeah, anyway, I'm just going to give a quick example. When I was 18, um, I really felt like I was supposed to go to Mozambique, and I was supposed to go to um, Heidi's Harvest School, Heidi Baker's Harvest School in Mozambique, and I needed... At, especially at 18 years old, I really needed the Lord to confirm it to other people, especially my parents. I needed yeah. I needed to submit myself, because if he really was telling me to go, he was going to confirm it to other people. But obviously, you know, went with his word, go and make disciples. But I needed to know if this was the right season. And the Lord was really faithful to show other people, to show my parents, um, and to confirm it to me in so many ways, um, to know and confirm that that is what he was saying and that it was the right season. Yeah. Yeah. That's
3: so good. Thanks.
1: All right. Craig and Nikki again. <laughs> what do we do when we feel guilty about disappointing someone in a relationship?
2: So glad we got to this question. <laughs> me um, too. Because it's. To me, it's very, very powerful just what the Lord has done. Um, and, of course, we're still talking in the context of enforcing boundaries and relationship. Number one, we have to trust the process and understand that it may get worse before it gets better. And it's kind of like the principle in, in Proverbs where it talks about a wound from a friend versus a kiss from the enemy that's multiplied. Uh, sometimes, gotcha. Sometimes, you know, it's going to feel and look like a painful thing, but it's really good ends are are in in the future. Um, Short-term sorrow and a lot of internal reward is a small price to pay. We have to take our feelings in those moments captive and let them fuel our prayers that freedom would come in the life of a brother or sister that we're dealing with. And also keep godly goals. Sometimes pleasing God will mean disappointing ourselves and others, but it's always worth it. Um, And just to come around full circle to the story about just the situation with Nikki's father, early on we, uh, we we set some boundaries that were like you know let 's just talk nice to each other if we can 't talk peacefully then we 're not going to talk and whenever those boundaries didn't didn 't really help didn 't really work, then we had to move boundaries and we got to a point where I had to write a letter um, to my father in law and it was tough it was short and to the point, but it was we we hate to have to do this but because of the way that you're choosing to live your life, you know, we can't continue relationship this way. And, and in a nutshell, the bottom line was, you know, we want relationship, but going forward, our relationship's gonna be limited to written words. So you're gonna have to write a letter, and we'd be glad to receive a letter from you. And for a period of about four or five years, we just didn't have much contact, and that was hard for a daughter. It was hard for all of us. Um, because we loved Nikki's parents, and I particularly loved her dad. He, we really connected. He liked construction. I liked all things construction. So when we were together, we had good conversations, but it just it wasn't working out because of choices that were made. Well, fast forward about eight years, and they asked if they could come visit us, and it was for a good reason. They came down. Several other members of the family met, and we had a, a time of reconciliation, really and uh, they stayed a night or two with us in the house and then they left early as they often did the next morning and on the uh, refrigerator, there is this note that was left. And by looking at it, if you're up close to the front, you can kind of see it's faded. It's it's actually a a piece of mail that was sent. It was the actual letter that I'd sent my father-in-law seven or eight years before. And it's really worn, and it looks like it had been carried with him to work, you know, day after day for years. And on the back, he left he left one of his old favorite pocket knives, and then he left this on the counter there before he left. And it says, Craig, I understand. I would have done the same. Respect you, love you, and he signed it. And so I say that just to say that, you know, <clears throat> whenever we we're we're filled with the spirit of god and he's given us uh tools and power to live life in relationship by his order yes. and under his power and and there's great power in the little things that we do in faith you know and so we got to experience a little bit of that the the road wasn't completely smooth thereafter and it it ended in a really hard way with her dad but god did great things because of just choices that were made, and because of the goodness of his spirit and the power of his spirit. So, we were very thankful.
1: Wow. Okay. It's hard to follow that. Um, okay, this one's for me. How do we love people well, even if we don't agree with them? Um, so, First and foremost, loving someone doesn't always mean that you agree with them. You can love somebody, um, but it doesn't mean that you agree with them or you um, trust them or you condone their actions. But once we truly understand how much Christ loves us, then we really can love others well. And I think it's important for us to ask the Lord, um, give us your eyes for that person. Um, Help us love them. Give us your love for them. Give us your heart for them. Um, And once we allow ourselves, um, once we allow the Lord to show us, um, that really does help. Yeah. Um,
3: yeah. So good.
1: good. All right, Andrew. What are some signs that I may be placing too much of my identity on the acceptance or validation of others instead of the Lord?
0: It's a great question. Um, I'm going to roll through these. Um, What are some signs that may be placing too much of my identity on the acceptance or validation of others instead of the Lord? Sign number one, you care more about what people think about you than what God says about you. Okay, this comes back to, and we talk about this all the time at Convergence, and I'm great to sound like a broken record about this, but identity. You got to know who you are. You got to know who God says that you are, because when you know who God says that you are, then you don't get your validation, your acceptance, and your happiness from other people, because it's placed in the Lord. And that's really, really important. Um, number two, you fear man more than you fear God. The fear of man is one of the, I think it's one of the biggest giants that we have to constantly sometimes slay and look at is, hey, I'm going to get rid of the fear of man. And I'm going to fear God more than I fear man. That's huge. All right, number three you feel that you need to change aspects of who you are to fit into what people want you to be. Again, security and identity in who I am. If I have to change who I am, I I shared a story last week about when I was in a position where there was a temptation for me to compromise on the values that I cared about in order to fit into a crowd. Okay, so in that moment, if I was seeking validation of people absolutely, I'll just go do whatever you want me to do. You want me to do that? Sure, let's do that. You're going to like me better. It's going to be, you know, you're going to accept me. I'm going to be cool. I'm going to be in the in crowd. That's cool. However, it violated the boundaries and the values that I saw in Scripture that I cared deeply about, and so I was unwilling to do that. And in that moment, I cared more about that than I did about being accepted and i wasn't necessarily accepted in that crowd but you know what i know that they looked up to me in a way that i don't think that they even could communicate because there was something about that that is contagious there's something about you standing up for what is right and you standing up for fearing the lord more than man that actually attracts people to you it's wild it's like your ability to, to say, no, I'm not going to care about what the world thinks. I'm going to follow him. That is attractive, and it's what we need more than ever in this hour. People that care more about what God thinks, people that are more worried and, uh, about not being obedient to the Lord than we are caring about what other people think. Okay, I'm not preaching today. Um, you find yourself... You find yourself, I just said this, but lowering your values in order for people to accept you. And then the last one here is um, you care more about obeying others than you do being obedient to God and his word. So all of these are signs, okay? So this is not meant, to, this is meant to be one of those things that you process in your mind. You go, oh, okay, wait. This is a sign. And it's a moment that you can actually say, Lord, I, I release Like, I I say no to the fear of man. I am not just, I'm going to notice this as a sign so that then I can allow the Holy Spirit to work in me to release more identity into me about who I am so that I can walk in that. So just really, really quickly, if this is me, what do I do? Okay, very practical. Hey, this is me, what do I do? Number one, come back to my identity. My fulfillment and security comes from the Lord, not man. Um, Number two, step out from the fear of man and into the fear of God. What does that mean? It means I care more about what God thinks and says than I do what others think or say about me. And this is really important, and I don't have time to dive full into this, but it's really important that your happiness isn't contingent upon people. I love the way that Peter Lewis talks about having joy in the gospel. It's the joy of the Lord is your strength. But if your validation and happiness comes from people, you're going to struggle with the joy aspect. You're going to be a roller coaster. It's going to be like down and up, down and up, because it's contingent upon people being like you being happy with people than it is being in the Lord. Um, I, love, I love Emily. She's my wife, but she is, not, she is not the source of my happiness. My spouse is not the source of my happiness. God is. And if I have that root and if I have that foundation, then you can weather storms. You can go through difficulty. You can have hard conversations, and you can still make sure that he is the source of your identity.
1: Last question. Nikki and Craig, how do we continue to honor someone who is not following God's way?
2: I guess I'll take this one. <laughs> um, the first thing that I thought of was honor where honors do. Don't make things up. We're not going to flatter people. We don't fake it. Having said that, there's usually something we can find <clears throat> that we can build on. You know, I I worked for years in public school, and several of those years was on a behavior campus. And so a lot of times, you know, there's—didn't look like there's much to build on, but, you know, it's it's as simple as, hey, when you walked in the room, you were smiling. That was amazing, you know. When you walked in, you sat down, didn't run around the classroom. That was amazing, you know. (laughs) By the same token, you know, in any relationship they're in that we're having difficulty in, usually the Lord will help show you something. He'll shine a light on something. You may have to pull on your prophetic and pull out the gold. He'll, he'll show you something that we can build on in that relationship if we're asking for it, if we're looking for it. We have to turn our hearts toward the person and honor them before God. Cultivate that heart of love for them by ministering many times before the throne before we minister in person with the person. Um, and, of course, stay kind. His kindness led us to repentance. It's going to do the same thing for them as well.
3: And in doing the honoring and the staying kind, remember that honoring does not equal level of fellowship. So Jesus sat at the table with sinners and all manner of people, giving them the dignity that they were created in his image, right? But remember, he had fellowship, deeper fellowship with the 12, and then even deeper fellowship with three out of the 12 that went into you know, the place with him in transfiguration. And I think that's really where we get confused sometimes with honor and fellowship. We were actually honoring my dad and how we handled everything. But his response, because he wasn't walking with the Lord, determined the manner of level of interaction and fellowship we could have with him, you know. And even in those later years after we did a mutual where we forgave him face to face etc when he asked for forgiveness he still was living a life of addiction that limited the interaction so we honor we honor people but we also recognize that you don't you're not coming into deep places of fellowship with me if you're not in that healthy place with the lord and that's what helps us keep our boundaries um kingdom centered this has been such an honor again if you have Questions or you feel like you need more counsel, just email admin at convergencechurch.com. We love you guys.
1: So good. That's all of our questions. Thank you so much for doing that with us.
0: Yeah, so good. So good. Wow. Um, Man, there's a lot that I want to say right now, but I really feel like we need to just close in prayer. Um, And so can we stand... and uh this morning i was praying about what the lord wanted to do and i actually really felt like like i don't know i felt like the lord wanted to deal with anger actually um (laughs) ephesians 4 26 says uh do not let the sun go down on your anger um it's not a sin to be angry okay i just want to make that statement that's important Uh, it's not a sin however Anger doesn't age like wine, it ages like milk. It gets rotten real quick. The longer that anger festers, it gets rotten. So, uh, anger is not like a nice fine wine, it's more like, oh no, we're in trouble. Like, there's, there's a bitterness and there's a rottenness that seeps in when, when anger comes in. Um, and I just really felt, and this might be for somebody in the room or for anybody watching online. That there are people, that there may be people in the room that maybe you've been holding on to anger that you need to release. You need to release the anger. It's okay for a, for a moment, but don't let the sun go down on it. Don't let that thing create an issue in your life, create bitterness, create. Uh, walls that don't need to be put up. I remember when Emily and I were struggling with loss, I was, there was times where I was angry with God. That's an honest place to be. And I remember the Lord was like, you have two options. (laughs) Option A, stay in the anger, or option B, allow me to come into that place and allow me to to talk to you in that place and actually stay in there with me. Don't run from me because of it. And so I just want us to pray. We're just going to pray and just release this. Lord, we just thank you for this time. And Lord, I just ask right now for anybody in the room, Lord, that needs to release anger, I ask you, Jesus, that you would just, that in your grace and in your mercy, Lord, that you would speak to their heart. And Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that for who you are, Lord, for your grace and your mercy in time of need, for your kindness, for your love. And so, right now, Lord, I just ask for for maybe for areas where maybe we've walled our hearts up because of anger. Maybe it's towards an individual. Maybe it's towards a relationship. Maybe it's towards a spouse. Uh, maybe it's towards the Lord i ask you jesus that you would come in right now and that you would just come in and just knock down those walls knock down those boundaries in your love and in your kindness that draws us into deeper relationship with you and so if that's you i just want you to say i just i i release anger i release i release I release myself from operating in anger. I release myself and I release my heart from being held captive by that anger and I open that place up to the Lord right now and I allow him to come in.
3: Yeah, I, uh, coming out of abuse and finally being in a safe home I realized it's funny that you went there Andrew I was feeling it in my spirit I remember those early years of marriage how angry I was I, but I just had never dealt with it I wasn't I wasn't being mean to Craig or, or to my kids I just realized I had all these emotions frustrating emotions inside of me and so I just as I as we got counseling as we got help in our marriage and just because um, I needed that I needed that to uh, to learn how to be healthy. I just learned for myself personally that when you're angry, it's because you either were not valued where you should have been valued, or you got really hurt, or you're just really scared. And so I couldn't get what I needed from my dad where I was devalued by him or where he hurt me, because he wasn't healthy to give that to me. But I could get it from Jesus, from his broken body and so today you can let your anger go because the broken body can pay the debts he did value you you don't have to keep being angry at that person right now because you need it from them but i deserve this you should have done this you see how that just creates that cycle of anger right now we come to you jesus through the veil to see that broken body that said i didn't do it but i'll pay for it I didn't do that to you, but I'll pay it for them if you'll let me. So we can either hold on to anger and our our feeling of righteousness, which is actually the false form of, 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 false righteousness is bitterness. We can let that go and say, Jesus, you value me. You died for me and you can heal the broken places of my heart. You can come and heal it, ho. Oh. And you can bring wholeness to my pain and love casting out fear. And I can let that person go in freedom. That's true freedom, y'all. It's true freedom, the freedom of Christ. And I remember standing before my dad face to face as he asked me to forgive him. And I said, I already have, dad. And he couldn't comprehend it. I don't even have animosity towards you. I just want you to be free. Because the debt you owed me, and I said, you did owe me a debt, Dad. You did mess up. But the Father God paid it. He's paid it in full. Yes. He's paid it in full. And he can pay it in full for you today, guys, because he already did it on the cross.
0: Yes. Yeah, so real quick, too, the last thing is just forgiveness Uh, let's just really quickly let's just go after that if there's a place this morning that even as we were talking it was hitting your heart maybe it's an individual um, that you need to just step out right now and again forgiveness is something that you can do even if the person is not here in the room you can forgive and so I just want to encourage you, if that's you, if, if, if you felt a tug on your heart, you're like, oh, I need to forgive that person. Just right now, just, just come to that place and just say, Lord, I forgive this person. I forgive them. It doesn't mean that I am negating maybe something that happened to me. It doesn't mean that I'm just pushing aside things that happen. But I'm making a conscious decision to not allow the unforgiveness to fester in my heart and to create bitterness. I am being, I am releasing myself from that. See forgiveness is about releasing yourself from it. like don't let that thing hold you captive so i just want to encourage you if, if that's you just right now just take a moment just say i forgive i forgive i forgive i forgive i forgive and i step into the freedom that comes the freedom in my heart that comes when i truly let go of that and i forgive So right now, Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness. (laughs) We thank you that even on our worst day, Lord, when we were stuck in the miry clay, in the pit, Lord, you said, I forgive. When you were on the cross, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. So right now, Lord, we release, and we step into forgiveness. Step into that place. Thank you, Lord. Wow, that's so good. I want to encourage you, like, to to really, really talk to the Lord about this this week, um, and just spend time with Him. And if there are areas to release, release it i'm not going to preach on this but i truly believe that sometimes actually the physical ailments that we have sometimes are attributed to unforgiveness there have been times where we've had people forgive and they're they've gotten healing and freedom just by saying i forgive there's something that happens when we release that thing that burden that you don't need to be carrying